Claire, hi. Thank you so much for joining me on the Gold Podcast today. How are you? I'm very well and thank you very much for asking me. No worries at all. It's great to have you. Um, So we're here to talk about the next chapter for biotechnology in Europe and the potential you see it having based on your insights as Director General at Europa Bio. So let's get started. Um, It's clear that there's so much potential for biotech, but to provide a kind of brief overview, what do you envisage the biotech sector contributing to Europe's future and economic footprint? Well, that's a great starting question because biotechnology has always been a frontier technology. So for as long as we've been able to use biological production system and understand biological processes, we've been able to apply biotechnology into sort of healthcare and other products. And it's actually been active in Europe as a commercial activity for quite some time. Biotech itself goes back a very long time. But really, we saw an explosion of economic activity in Europe, perhaps 25 or 30 years ago, as small companies started emerging with very innovative products, primarily in healthcare, but more increasingly in other areas as well now. And Often it's quite difficult to measure the exact economic contribution from biotechnology because it's an enabling technology. So in some sectors, such as healthcare, it's quite easy to track because you can say this is a novel diagnostic, this is a novel um, therapeutic. But in others, the technology itself underpins lots of different sectors. So you might look at sort of food production, novel food production, for example, uh, or fuel production, or catalysis, or packaging and materials. It's harder to measure where biotechnology ends up there because those sectors themselves are not considered biotechnology. So in Europa Bio, we commissioned a study to look at how you measured the economic footprint of biotechnology called the Whitehorse study. And in 2019, we were able to show that there was almost 40 billion euros in direct and indirect value to the European economy. And for every one job created directly within a biotechnology environment, three additional jobs were created through supporting the delivery of that biotechnology product and process. And so that's gone really across lots of different sectors. I can give you obviously really great examples within healthcare applications right now that we're all incredibly aware of. You only have to look at uh, vaccine production for COVID and the huge output that Europe has had there to see how biotech contributes economically and as well as societally, of course, in this instant. But it's increasingly used in other sectors as well as we understand how we can replace petrochemical derived processes with biological production systems. So it's really key to helping Europe deliver on its Green Deal objectives, helping us become more sustainable and also looking at how we become more sort of food and fuel secure, which I think is a very relevant topic at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. Thank you for that great overview. I really like the terminology of frontier technology. No, as a as a diehard Star Trek fan, I'm always very happy to call it a frontier technology. <laughs> That's excellent. So moving on now, um, how far do you think Europe has the infrastructure in place to make the most of cutting edge therapies like gene and cell therapies? That's another great question because, of course, biotechnology doesn't just fall from the sky. You have to produce the products that you are going to use. And we tend to call it, we're increasingly looking at it in terms of biomanufacturing because, of course, 
it can be applied in lots of different ways. And to undertake biomanufacturing, you need very specialised facilities, initially in small quantities to allow sort of niche test products to be developed. And then you need to scale that up. And that counts for both healthcare applications, but also, you know, large scale manufacturing in other sectors as well, again, such as food and feed sectors. And for this, you need specialised or essentially factory production, um, plus the specialised skills to go with them. So this is a whole new generation of infrastructures and skills that are needed to develop this. And these are very high cost, as you might imagine. But But Europe is really, really well placed to have been doing that because it has excellent earlier stage funding mechanisms. It has regional development programs. You know, you look at the regional strategic development across Europe and it's very strong. So you have seen countries like Belgium, countries like Ireland and other places invest very heavily in developing up um, large scale structures. And that takes a combination of both public and private investment because often where you're looking at validating a novel technology and seeing how it can work that will need a higher level of public engagement uh, particularly if you're trying to develop up a whole region or a cluster around this particular technology but then you'll see you know small companies growing by investing into scale-up facilities and large companies of course making long-term investment decisions for infrastructures And Europe absolutely has to do that because as we saw with the vaccine production, you can't suddenly switch on a factory to make high tech uh, biological production facilities. It already has to be there supported by the skills. You can alter what they're used for. And so we've talked a lot about Europe's sort of sustainable sustainability and agility in manufacture and if you look at the response to global crises such as covid you need to be able to repurpose facilities to switch them from one type of production to another which we can do but you need to have those facilities and the specialized staff in place to start with so we need to always be ready and investing for what may come next and so this is not just crisis response but it's part of building sort of next generation biomanufacturing because it's not a short-term process but it's as Europe fundamentally alters how it produces things to become more sustainable and to make use of the fantastic research that emerges across the continent you will need these facilities to be developed. So Europa Bio itself was founded 26 years ago through a series of national associations for biotechnology because they really wanted, they understood the strength of working together so that each country could achieve more than the sum of their own capability in terms of aligned um, investment and focus and skills development. So our national associations show how critical it is for Europe that you know all the countries are engaged and aligned and moving forward and our national associations now hold an, an annual summit called the next summit and we look there at the different aspects that countries need to address together to be able to deliver you know, at European level and investment into infrastructure is an absolute key thing here because you've got regional development funds you've got um, lots of different funding and strategies for developing up regions and often you will see the ability to manufacture at this scale driven through public investment in strategy first so the national aspect of international and european operation is critical 
Rare diseases are a really good example of where national collaboration and investment into infrastructure make a huge difference to how you manage patients all across Europe. You know, as the name suggests, with rare diseases, not a lot of people have them. So it's actually very difficult to have a critical mass of knowledge or expertise or centres in all countries. It is not like having a cardio unit or an oncology unit. Um, so what Europe has been really good at doing is building up critical mass and expertise in a country. So you might have investment into a specialist centre in one country. And what you can do is then share the expertise across Europe, uh, but also move patients to where they can get that specialist treatment. And that's a really good example of how it's so critical to work across borders and the role of countries in helping to decide where they might invest in specialist infrastructure, because you can't possibly have the same specialist infrastructure in all 27 countries, but you could have it in a few and they are accessible to all. So that's really where Europe can move strongly towards to mobilise its ability to, you know, to work across borders in terms of the delivery of effective healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that there are any kind of risks or hurdles that might mean Europe misses out on the biotechnology revolution, as it were, or, or kind of not benefit from it as much as it could do? That's a great question, because Europe is has a huge research foundation and yeah we celebrate our innovation capacity in all countries across Europe one way or another they have a massive research capability and programs and platforms that come through the European Commission such as the ERC for example really help to underpin our fundamental research capability and Europe has a long and very proud history of that. The challenge is never about the availability of brilliant science because there are always brilliant people doing the brilliant science. The challenge is how you turn that, that innovation and those inventions into the long process towards, you know, a, a patient available or a commercially available product or process. And this is where Europe is more fragile because it needs to be very competitive globally in terms of the regulatory and legislative landscape that enables those technologies to progress. Because once you get past the sort of public, the public funding aspect of early stage research, you've got to say, I want to take this particular technology through to a medicine. And it has to be, you know, we're going to sell this medicine. And so a company is going to create it and knowing that they're going to get the money back that they've invested into very high risk early stage research and scale up. So you need to enable the certainty of access to market, the speed to market, so they can say, we will invest a huge amount of money over, say, a 10-year period to develop this therapeutic, but we need to know that we can gain access to patients and the market at the end of that. And that's where Europe uh, has worked incredibly hard, you know, with aspects such as the European Medicines Agency and the pharmaceutical legislation that it brought out um, some years ago. But it's always needs to be improving and accelerating, particularly when you look at the advanced technologies that those those regulatory systems now are dealing with. So it's, it is incredibly important that Europe is constantly improving and, and being agile when it comes to novel technologies. And again, that's not just for therapeutics, it's also for innovation within things such as food production, so that we can rapidly take advantage of the amazing research that we produce and be able to bring new products and processes for more sustainable and more secure food production. 
That's brilliant. Really interesting. And and thank you for, for such an in-depth answer there. Um, so this year is a very important one for biotechnology because of the ongoing review of the European Commission's pharmaceutical strategy. Um, what does Europa Bio and its members hope for and expect from this legislative review? That's, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think Europa Bio sees itself as the sort of champion of innovation. So we are all about how we're keeping the innovation pipeline flowing. So it's really important that there is always innovation coming into the pipeline. And that's not just from the research push, because we know that's there. It's from the innovation pull and the market pull as well. What we need to see in the the critical legislative reviews that are undergoing right now are a strong way to incentivize investment into early stage and high potential innovations, knowing that they will progress strongly through to their end target, be that patient, be that your market access. Um, That's what the legislation really has to achieve and work around, you know, and Europe finding its position, a strong position within a strong global supply chain, because we don't do this in isolation. You know, if we don't take advantage of um, technologies in Europe, they're going to be developed somewhere else. And we'd really rather they were developed here, particularly as most of the research has taken place here. Mm -hmm. So we need to enable companies and, and other support agencies for innovation to be able to say, yes, we can develop this in Europe, be that identifying where the critical unmet medical needs are, for example, how we make use of our superpower as a sort of cross country block of 27 different countries to say, how do we engage across borders? How do we engage across national markets to ensure that there is always a huge incentive? incentive to develop medicines to market in Europe. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Um, so um, Europa Bio directly and indirectly represents over 2,600 biotech companies and um, 2,300 of those are small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, in your opinion, what do SMEs need to help them secure investment? I've always worked with small companies in my career, you know, having started at sort of the initial boom of the SMEs in Europe back in the day in Cambridge in the UK. And so it was amazing to see what their needs are. And they have very specific needs and they're really different to large scale company needs. Because obviously, whereas a large a large pharmaceutical company will make an investment decision with enough cash flow to know that it's going to be able to do that over a 20-year basis. Small companies do not have the luxury of deep pockets to do that. They always have to be looking for the next source of funding to ensure that they can continue progressing. So their needs are quite immediate. And so what we need to do, what small companies need is to be able to have to be able to attract investment on a regular basis for their, you know, their high input, high risk development pipelines. And to be able to attract that investment, they need to be able to show that their technology is going to continue progressing. So more than anybody else, small companies need a very stable regulatory framework, a framework that is going to allow a small company to progress within it, and to also know that they're going to be able to reach markets and be able to deliver their products to patients or to whomever they are selling. 
So you need they need to be able to show their investors that they have got a they are confident of a pipeline going forward. And so that's the really important part for small companies. And we work with our small companies through our national associations. And this year we're also setting up an SME buyer forum where SME CEOs can come together and highlight the latest challenges that they have so that we can take those challenges and go to national governments, go to the European Commission and go, we need to address this within the legislation framework or within the regulatory framework to enable small companies to progress. And often it's not, it's often literally not rocket science. It's the ability to answer and support questions around novel therapeutics that have never been assessed before. It's the ability to access expert feedback, to design how you're going to develop your product and process so that you know it will get through the regulatory hurdles required so that you have really effective novel technologies that are also really safe and ready for ready for patients. That's great. The The bio forum sounds really interesting. It's such an important development and great that that kind of support can be in place for small businesses, especially ones that have such brilliant innovations coming through. That's exactly it. And it, it's really amazing the level of risk that people will take when they're setting up small companies. You know, mm. these are people that are have got an amazing technology and they are willing to pin everything on it. So people that start up small companies are real champions of the sector because it's often their own personal risk that they're putting into a venture you know so we should SMEs need to be championed and supported every day yeah absolutely um so what can the EU do to boost the appeal for foreign biotech investment do you think it's reasonably similar to the small company question really because it's about We need to show that Europe is a really great place to develop innovations through to their application. Um, It's it's all about de-risking long-term investment. Because as we've said already, you know, biotech is high risk uh, and it's long-term. You're not going to get your money back in a very short period of time. And so by having the right legislative and regulatory environment, you can enable people to come in and say, right, I am going to plant a flag in Europe for a 25-year investment. And that's not just in, you know, picking up the intellectual property around something. It is in investing in bricks and mortar, the infrastructure, the time to support the development of those technologies. You know, this is not short term market access decisions. So it's all about enabling that overseas investment to become integral to Europe and not to come in, find great research and then leave again. We want it to be grown and scaled up here. So and. Europe has so many things to offer there because it's got the amazing research base. It has incredible investment into infrastructure and skills development. And often it's very coherently done because you look at the cross-border R&D in Europe and it's really impressive. So we need to then continue that progress through the regulatory and legislative framework so that once those amazing technologies enter into commercial development they know they can continue to mature and be delivered inside Europe and that will enable long-term investment into Europe as as partners rather than just customers. That's really interesting. Um, Just from my own personal interest, is there um, a big discrepancy between the kind of European research and then things going elsewhere for the actual development of them? 
it is something that Europe has often struggled with because it's always invested hugely from a public and a private perspective in earlier stage research. And you can see that with the depth of knowledge that comes out of Europe's many research centres and the ability that it's had to facilitate excellent collaborative research, not mm. only at early stage research, but also increasingly the public-private partnerships you see. For example, the Innovative Health Initiative, which was just launched at the end of last year. It's a huge program that brings together public research and excellence across sectors and also private research with the major large pharmaceutical companies in Europe working collaboratively around critical pre-competitive um, challenges. Where Europe finds itself, you know, a little bit slower is around the commercialization of such technologies. And that's not just looking at itself. You can't look at Europe alone. You have to look at it from a global perspective. And, and of course, it's still a block of 27 different countries. So often that can bring in complexities where something may be implemented at national level. And suddenly you haven't got one market, you've got 27. And that you, when you compare that against other um, regulatory territories, such as the US, for example, there is a more streamlined agile process because they do it quite differently to Europe. So Europe certainly needs, and it's trying very hard, it's trying to look at how it becomes more agile, how it becomes more streamlined. And you don't just want to look at the US, you want to look at incredibly strong emerging innovation markets such as China, so who are really innovating very strongly these days. And, you know, and when they do something, they do it on a very significant scale. So Europe, needs to ensure that the inherent value that it has is translated into returns, both societal and economic returns, for the taxpayers that funded that research in the first place. That's fascinating. Thank you for that. That's all right. As you know, I can talk for a really long time on this topic. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I'm glad to be listening to it. It's great. Um, so you joined Europa Bio in 2020 during um, what could be considered as the hardest months of the pandemic. Um, what do you consider your biggest achievement so far? And um, for a kind of second part of the question, what's on your agenda for the coming years? Yes, it's been a crazy few years, that's for sure. And yes, I joined when everything was online and remote and in fact, didn't even meet the team fully for nine months after I joined. Uh, so it, and that's the same as everybody across Europe. I think the biggest achievement really is the fact that we've been able to mobilize and grow Europa Bio, even when everybody was locked down and, and looking at, you know, there are many different priorities when you can't go into the office and it's, and it's a COVID-based environment. But we've really managed to expand very strongly in terms of membership over the last 12 to 15 months. And I'm incredibly happy for that. And that I think that's for a lot of reasons. You know, the time is now for biotechnology across all sectors. You know, we've looked at the response to COVID and we've looked at how critically important it is for legislation to enable the agility and rapidity needed to address issues such as COVID when they come. And Europe did an amazing job of that. But we're here now in the time where they are and the European Commission is reviewing pharmaceutical legislation, it's uh, reviewing legislation around rare diseases um, and orphan medicinal drugs. And there's a huge realisation that we need to get this exactly right to keep that innovation pipeline flowing. And so we've really been able to strongly grow when people have recognised 
how critical it is to get the frameworks right for biotechnology. And that's not just on the healthcare side. When you look at the potential of biotechnology to reduce the environmental footprint of production, whether it be you know, novel ingredients, novel materials, fuel, food, you know, in, there's no end to what biological production and biomanufacturing can achieve. And so as well as it being a critical response as part of our climate change efforts, it's also next generation economic development. So this is a huge time of transition for Europe and biotechnology is right at the centre of that. So I'm really happy that companies and organisations have really been recognising this and we've been able to grow our membership very happily, which is great for me as a DG. So if I look at where I think we want to move Europa Bio, you know, in the short to midterm now, for me, yeah, I'm really happy with the focus that we have on the individual technology areas. I think what I'd like to do is really scale up how we look at this as part of biomanufacturing in Europe. You know, this is a, such a huge contribution economically, technologically, that it should be recognised more broadly. And it also allows people to understand more easily what is required to enable it. Because obviously, when you look at a specific therapeutic development or a specific you know, fermentation process, that's a very technical approach to it. And if we want to talk to consumers, uh, policymakers about what biotechnology does and the role it plays, embracing it as part of a biomanufacturing development is something that is easier to understand because with it brings investment in production, it brings investment into skills at a regional, national and European level and really allows us to say this is not just a collection of technologies, this is biomanufacturing, whether it be a novel cell and gene therapy product that you're developing or whether it be a new way to produce vitamins or food ingredients or fragrances. There's a thousand different ways you can apply it, but at the end of the day, it's biomanufacturing and we should champion it for that. Brilliant. I think, yeah, one thing is definitely clear from what you've said there, that the potential is just vast. Um, and I think one thing you said um, at, in the beginning of your answer there was um, the time is now for biotechnology across all sectors. And I think that is brilliant and such a good note to end on. So thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>